All right, we're gonna go. Welcome to the S podcast. And on the audio one, you're not gonna know this, but on the video one, you're just gonna have me staring at a computer screen for like the first 15 seconds. I don't know why Audacity is acting the way it is, um, where I can't get my intro. So no intro on this podcast, right? You know, I like the I like the little musical intro in there. I feel like it, you know, sets a tone for what you're gonna get. But we're not gonna have that here. We're just going to get straight down to business. Now, the picture in the back of me, you know, you see it. It's Ezra Podcast, right? It's got me with the stash, you know, slick back hair. But it's not accurate today. So it wasn't accurate last time. It's not accurate today. I got the beanie on. Let's make it accurate. This past weekend, we had Arthur Biertebev versus Joe Smith Jr. And in a fight that played out exactly kind of how I told you it was going to play out. Did it end sooner than I thought? It did, but it went along the lines of what I told you. To me, it's not surprising when a guy that hits hard and um, has good timing and can place his shots, beats a guy that is easy to be hit, is not really a counterpuncher, and doesn't have a lot of dimensions to his game. That To me, that's not surprising. So, uh, apparently, to everyone else right, that watched this and saw this fight, this was a surprising turn of events that he beat Joe Smith this easily. So this, to me, was just depending on if you bought the promotion the top rank gave you, right, to build up Joe Smith. If you bought that promotion, then yes, this was an impressive victory, right? This was a very good win. If you're not a mark like me, and you know that Joe Smith Jr. was never at that level, and you can explain all his wins that people say that are so good, which I will right now, Bernard Hawkins was literally 50 years old. Funfara beat Chavez Jr., who was above 160 pounds, where Chavez Jr.'s only real success in boxing came at 160 pounds. And he beat Alvarez. But who did Alvarez beat to become, you know, this well-known guy? He beat Kovalev. What did Kovalev do? He went and got the unanimous decision victory back from Alvarez. Then Joe Smith beats Alvarez. But when Canelo beats Kovalev, Kovalev is washed. But when Alvarez loses to that Wash Kovalev by unanimous decision. No one mentions that that's the Joe Smith's, you know, possibly best win. So I can explain his wins. And every time he's fought at an elite level, Bavol, one-sided match. Uh, Sullivan Barrera, which I don't even think is elite level. I just think it's, you know, it's a, it's a good fighter. He, he, he gets taken to school. And now he fights Beertaviv, and Beertaviv gets him out of there in two rounds. This, to me, is not shocking. This, to me, is the norm in Joe Smith's career. But people are going to, you know, be marks to top rank. Or I think people choose to do this. Honestly, I think people choose to believe what they want to believe. Or paint the picture the way they want to picture. Paint it for certain fighters. Beard Biv has to be that fighter that people are going to paint that picture for. Now, if we go to Beard Biv's box rec, right? And let's just go through his resume. So, we've got Joe Smith Jr., Okay, I'm already telling you that that's a okay win. I actually think the win before Marcus Brown was a better win. I actually think it's a tougher fight. And I think it played out that way, it going nine rounds. And, of course, Marcus Brown had to survive at points. But I did think that he showed more, at least a little more fight, a little more um, effectiveness in his fight with Bertrand than Joe Smith did. Then he fights Deneens, which is actually... Well, go back and watch the fight. It's a tough fight. It's a, like a, it's a thinking man's fight. Deneens does some things in there that Bertrand kind of struggles with. 
Now he fights uh, Vothnik, which we know that's his toughest fight. We know that was a dog fight, and he um, beats Vod- uh, Vothnik. There's no, uh, it's a TKO in the tenth. There's no um, controversy or anything there. That's just a uh, Vozniak who had just reti- uh, retired and like literally retired. Um, uh, S- Superman goes into this fight and in a drag him out fight, he loses uh, clearly and cleanly to uh, Beertaviv. Then he fights, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this name, Kala Zek, right? Uh, 24-1 fighter. Now, I, if you just look at records, you might be impressed by some of these things, right? If you just look at the records, right? But let's let's look. Let's see who we beat. This Kala Jack, right? Okay, so before he fought, let's get where did he lose to Beardaviv at? Okay, so he fought Alex Thurin, who was twenty and two. Okay, this is dig deeper in Thurin because Thurin's, you know what he is right now? He's twenty and eight right now. So that shows you that they was built up to a certain point, and then he kind of turned into an opponent, right? So. Before that, he... Okay, before uh, Kalazek, he fought Leo Kasani, 1-8. He fought Javier Meza, 1-9. He fought Leo Kasani again, 1-5. How did he fight Leo Kasani twice? He fought Leo Kasani twice. In the first time, it wasn't even controversial who guides 1-5. He killed him in the third. And then they came back and was like, hey, you know what? We need to get that Leo Kasani one back. Who's 1-8 at this point. So had lost two more times. And he kills them in the second. So at least he improved on the performance. I'll give him that. But these are built-up records. And when he fought Toronto Johnson, he got stopped in the fifth round. Okay. So this this is just an example. That's just one of the examples I could give you of, you know, of these padded records. Okay. He has Colin Johnson, right? Not not, not a high-level fighter. Uh, Enrico Colling, not a high-level fighter. We can keep going down the list. There's going to be a bunch of names you don't, you, you don't know. And aren't high level fires, or it'll be a Campillo who is 25 and 6 at this point, and he'll stop him, right? Uh, Jeff Pace Jr., a divorce cloud who already has been schooled by Hopkins. It, it's going to be a lot of that. Now, this isn't me saying that Beertaviv is overrated as far as skill wise or building. No, I think he is really that guy. I think he really hits really hard. I think he's very technical. I think he's a better boxer than people want to give him credit for. I think that he can. You know, eliminates uh, some of people's offense. I think people think that he's just like a hittable guy. He isn't. I don't believe that, especially when he's focused or chooses to box. But what it is is all this credit that he's being given now, and people saying he should be on your pound for pound rankings. And I'm not even going to argue that because people do pound for pound rankings just based off hypothetical, mythical things of oh, this guy would beat this guy if they fought, even though they'll never fight, even though that's uh, uh, impossible to translate what a heavyweight would do in a certain weight, or even a light heavyweight would do against a super uh, flyweight. It's, it's, that's impossible, right? But on a resume pound for pound, Beardsville is not even, to me, like, I can make an argument he's not even top 15. Because he's not beating anyone. And I, you could make a case, well, he's in a weak division, right? He's beating the top 10 guys, but top 10 guys ain't equal across the board. Top 10 guy in the heavyweight division, the top 10 guy in the superfly division. It's just not. It's not a top 10 guy, guy in the welterweight division. They're not equal. He's in a weak division. So... That's just the cards he's dealt. You know, Klitschko was running through a lot of guys, but we have to admit the heavyweight division was weak at that point. That's a, a fair criticism to Klitschko. It's not blaming him for it. It's just the actual situation that we are in at that point. Now, there are legit guys in his weight class. I mean, I think uh, Gibraltar Ramirez is a legit win. I would, I would say so, right? I would say 
of course, Bavo is a legit win. Now, are there only three, uh, two guys that are legit wins in your weight class? It happens when you have a weak weight class. But those are legit wins. Now, Anthony Yard, who was stopped by the same Kovalev that was washed, right? The Facanello. Yeah, you're probably not going to get luck right for that fight. I do think that Anthony Yard is a more dangerous opponent than Joe Smith just because of physical ability. And I think Anthony Yard has power, maybe not Joe Smith power, but he has the explosion and speed and timing to where he can actually make his power useful. And especially if you're looking to trade with him or exchange, he can explode, especially early. But yeah, it's probably not going to be another notable win for him. We have to really get in the depth of it if that's a notable win. But that's basically that division. Now, they're saying he wants to go to heavyweight. He's 37 years old. Okay, I think that a move from 175 all the way to heavyweight, it's at 37 years old kind of seems like a reach for me. I don't really think he has a style, too, that would work. He's not Usyk, who's like a technical boxer, very skilled, going to move around the ring. He, I said he could box, but he's not... He needs to rely on his power. Like he, his power is a big part of his game, um, and it's, it's just not going to be. His power isn't, to me, going to carry the heavyweight to where it's going to have the effect that he has a light heavyweight. It's, it's that's just not the case. So you know the fight that everyone wants to see is Bavol. It doesn't seem realistic. I've explained this uh, a, a few situations. Uh, there's not a lot of m- enough money in it. Between these two guys to do a co-promotion, uh, it's probably one of those things where one of these promotions willing to let one of those guys go. You would have to think Matchroom isn't willing to do that at this point because they have Bavol that beat Canelo. Uh, Birchaviv beat Joe Smith. Maybe their uh, top ranks hoping he gets a rub. They're obviously going to, they don't have the, that much faith on his selling power. So they're obviously going to send him to Europe to fight Yard and hope that, you know, the, the Yard can sell the fight. So maybe that's where it goes, where they just let Birchaviv go to uh, Matchroom, you know, for one fight and hopefully gets undisputed against Bavol. Now, that's a great fight. That's a highly skilled fight. It's the kind of fights that we've been getting, actually, in boxing recently. I just have my doubts that it actually happens. It's definitely not happening next. We know Yard is next. After that, after that, yeah, you know, Bavol is probably going to, the rumor is he's going to fight um, Ramirez, which... I kind of have my doubts about that, too, because I don't think Eddie Hearn's trying to help De out in any way. And he has Boatze. Why would he let Ramirez fight Bavol when he has Boatze? It, it, that kind of doesn't make sense to me. Why take the chance of Bavol even losing in that fight? And then maybe that would lure Canelo to fight Ramirez. It, it, it just seems too risky to me. But that's the rumor that they're going to fight. If they, that does happen, that's a, that's, a, that's a damn good fight that could be made a light heavyweight. But after those fights, maybe... We can see where everything lays, uh, where everything stands, and where you know where they are with their contracts for each promotion, and maybe there's some leeway there where they can, one of them can get out, or they can make something happen, or fight each other. We know it's not next. These are gonna have a fight for sure. I have my doubts that it's after that, but we just know it's not next. Um, you know where does Joe Smith go from here? And I, I would just kind of down on Joe Smith. Uh, and I know I said all these things, and I don't really like doing that. I think we have to be honest when we talk to sport, but I, I, I want to raise up the fighters. I think Joe Smith's very entertaining. I think he has a style that's, you know, you, you want to see, right? Especially if it's not the highest level. You're just like, give me entertainment factor. I think he has a little bit of Mickey Ward to him, especially like story, background, and all that. I think there's some interesting fights. You know, that can be made. There's not, like I said, it's not the most stacked division. So there's guys in the uh, lower in the rankings that, 
he would be interesting against. And he hits really hard. And I wouldn't even mind like him and Marcus Brown. Like I think that's a, an excellent fight. Why not make that? I would favor Brown in the fight, but I think why not make it? If Brown just got stopped by Berchevif, he's got stopped Berchevif. Makes sense to me. I don't I think there's still money to be made with Joe Smith. I think there's still entertainment to be had with Joe Smith. And that's a beautiful thing about where boxing is right now, is that if you can't tell if you are entertaining or if you know, they just need to fill so many slots that why not would why wouldn't Joe Smith headline another card? It looks like they did good when they sold tickets here, right, in New York. Why wouldn't they bring him back? On the undercard, we had Robisi Ramirez versus Abraham Nova in a fight that um I, I had picked Ramirez to win, but my exact words is if he got the stoppage in this fight, I'd be stunned. He did just that. In the fifth round, he gets a KO, a vicious KO. Um, I had heard an interview with uh, Bertaviv. Um, you know what? Let me. I, I want to uh, get the correct name here so you guys can look it up. Of course, it doesn't come up when I, I'm going to look it up. You know, I'll... Uh, I'll put it in the description when I get it. But it was an interview with uh, Birtaviv, and it was a, explaining, you know, um, Canelo's power and how he, you know, he kind of manufactures his power. That he places it, uh, he places his shots and walks you into shots or sets you up and winds up big shots that, you know, that allows him to generate more power than, you know, just like a guy like Joe Smith who could just probably touch you and go to sleep. And that's what Ramirez did. He manufactured his power against Abraham Nova. I don't think Ramirez is some hard-hitting KO artist. I, I don't. But I think that he's so skilled. And if he gets comfortable and you allow him to pick his shots and be creative and be crafty and take his time and be precise with the shots, that he could generate power because that's the level of skill. And it, it is something to watch. And it is something to be really impressed by because Nova is not... To me, a bad fighter. Actually, Nova, I think, is a good fighter. He's actually a technical fighter at points, but I knew he was going to rely more on physical ability because he was going to out-technique Ramirez or uh, out-strategize Ramirez in this fight. He was going to have to be more explosive, be more active, and look to make his power and his physical abilities uh, be useful in this fight, be effective in this fight. But Ramirez was so far skilled beyond him, right? Was so ahead of him, just thinking in the ring, he was able to set up this massive, massive shot, put Nova to sleep, and just really, just a statement was made, a huge statement was made at 126 pounds with the guys like Navarrete. It looks to me like Ramirez is there. That was to me like the graduation to like, you're there for really any of the top guys at that weight class. I'm curious what they do with him next, especially with Navarrete, who was supposed to fight Shakur, move up fight Shakur. That kind of fell through. It seems like he's staying at 126 now. Maybe that's a fight that they can set up. Um, Ramirez is here to stay. He's got good ability. I'm curious how long Shakur stays at 130 and if Ramirez can make that leap one more weight class up. They have history in the Olympics, which Ramirez eliminated Shakur in the Olympics. I want to see, I would love to see that skill level. I would love to see that rematch and that the, those guys thinking in the ring, uh, trying to figure each other out with uh, Shakur's ultimate defense and now Ramirez. Uh, creative offense that he has and especially because you know you got to think too he marched nova back i did not expect that either there was two things i didn't expect in this fight one was especially the knockout but him marching nova backwards right like pushing him back 
wasn't expected. And it was done all off of skill and timing and Nova just being afraid to make a move and being active because he didn't know what's coming back. Because Ramirez was setting traps and in the right place to really make him pay for his mistakes. I was really impressed with that performance. Let's go all the way to the prelims, right? And I think the prelims are important uh, for this one because you have uh, Bruce Carrington who is now popping out to the scene and he's looking, uh, I guess, Terrence Crawford-esque, right? Of a guy that, you know, I don't feel like was, you know, I'm sure people were aware of him, but I don't think he was like, before like recent performance, a lot of people were like, oh, wow, watch for this guy. This guy's about to do something. And now it kind of seems like you have to pay attention because he's looking very skilled. He doesn't really do, like he sticks with fundamentals. He doesn't tries to be too flashy in there, but he's just very talented. And so his talent comes through. Maybe that comes through his flash. But like defensively, he's 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 um, he's got the fundamentals down. He's his hands are up. You know, what I mean, he's putting himself in the right position. He just has a lot of things to me that reminds me of like young Terrence Crawford. Where when you've seen him, you like you realize that this guy's ability, how smart he is in the ring, the things that he's seeing in there, it's levels above the other guys. He's 25 years old. For some people, for some reason, people feel like he needs to be rushed to the top now because he's 25 years old. I still think that's very young. I still think that he has about two more years before, like 27. You can, you know, there was a point in boxing where it's like 27 is like when you really make your leap against the top guys. You know, and. It's not like he's like, oh, he's not, he's not going to get these, uh, he's not going to have enough time. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I was just doing Sugar Ray Leonard's notable, uh, notable wins. I was ranking his notable wins. He has eight notable wins. Uh, only eight. You would think that, to me, like, if you're just thinking Sugar Ray Leonard, without looking at his stuff, you would think, like, 10, 12. No, he has eight. At 27 years old, if you brought Bruce Carrington up the correct way, and at 27 years old, started finding top guys, if he's the truth and everything, he could rack up eight notable wins. He could. He's got to be on the right side of the street. And, you know, there's some politics to it, and they place it, they do it correctly. But he could. I don't really feel like he needs to be rushed. I think he has a lot of skill, and you could possibly, you could put him in with some top guys right now, and he'd give him a lot of problems. But I, I think that he can still be brought along the right way, raise the level of competition up. But I don't think he needs to go against the top, top dogs yet. Also on the card, he had Jahai Tucker, who I am really high on. I'm not just high on him for skill-wise, which I think he has a lot of skill. I'm high on him because of entertainment-wise, too. Because he has a very entertaining style to watch. Okay, He is active. He throws a lot of volume punching. He's able to place his shots. He's very, like, it's just very natural to him. It's very loose with him. His offense is just, it's free-flowing. It's, he's very comfortable with it. It's not something he has to think about. He reminds you of, like, a long-distance runner. Where every step he's not thinking of, he's not thinking of any of these steps he's just running and it's a full stride and when he gets going his offense is a uh, it, it's it's scary and you got to think he's only 19 years old I believe 18 or 19 years old so he he hasn't developed his man body yet when he develops his man body with the range of offense he has and the activity he has and already the power he has I think he could be a, a real real problem but also just the entertainment factor of the way he fights. I think I, I'm I'm very uh, curious for this guy going forward. Um, my man, Truth Over uh, Narrative, I also put that link um, in the bio. Did a, a interview with him. I don't believe the full interview uh, is out yet. Um, 
But there's segments of it, and he's a confident dude. He's a real confident dude. You got to hear his response on, um, you know, who he would like to fight next. Uh, I think it'll be pretty surprising on who he says and how, you know, confident he is when he says it. I understand that the the confidence because this guy has a lot of ability. It's, his fighting comes really natural to him. Of course, he's not there with the guys he says. I don't want to give that away. Go look at the guys he says. But I think as we go along, I think he is going to become, start becoming a real problem for people. I do want to point out that Top Rank has, um, you know, Top Rank, we can't get past the part where, you know, Terrence Crawford sued them. And one of the things in the lawsuit that was brought up was a race issue, right? That They didn't push uh, black fighters. Now, I'm not sure really, you know, I think we need more information on that and what really happened there. Um, I've heard that those kind of things before with Top Rank. And there wasn't a big push for black fighters. I mean, Terrence Crawford was one of the guys that they it seemed to be pushing, but it wasn't really many other names. A lot of the, uh, the guys they were looking for were usually Latino or European, you know, even uh, some like European guys. But suddenly they, they have a um, a whole uh, whole group of black American fighters, top prospects that are coming up. And I don't know if they just, you know, like the two top rated views of fights that were the highest viewership are Haney and Shakur Stevenson. Now, I don't know that Top Brain didn't know these guys would do numbers or they were just unaware of it and they just kind of stumbled on it. But it seems like they get it now. Whether they stumbled on it or they were doing it on purpose, I don't know. Whatever it was, they get it now and they have a lot of promising young black fighters that are, you know, have a very good opportunity of being world champions and dominating the sport. And it's, um, it's just funny to me. Cause I'm like, well, they didn't see this before. You know what I mean? They didn't see. And with this and the way they stumbled onto this, right. I, I don't know. Like to say they give them credit or not because they weren't doing this, right. They weren't showcasing, like really, they were speaking negative of Terrence Crawford, right? They they would they would do most of their time to speak negative of him than to really speak up like the things he was accomplishing or the level of fighter that he was, and the viewership that he was getting when he was fighting at ESPN. They weren't really ever talking about that, but it seems like it's a complete turnaround. I don't know for you know what. Like I said, I don't know what the reasons are for that, but. With guys like Bruce Carrington, like guys like Keyshawn Davis, guys like Jahai Tucker, you got to be excited by the the next uh, crop of fighters that Top Rank has. I think that these guys, and if they keep them all in their stable, right, and they all get to this level, because you know Devin Haney's already undisputed, and you know Shakur Stevenson wants to become undisputed, and they all get to the point Keyshawn Davis is coming. They have some super fights here. Like, they have the next stars of boxing, in their stable. They're in a very good place. Bob Arum at like 90 years old. Has, you know. They did a million views for Haney and Shakur Stevenson. If they keep this formula up. Right. They can turn around boxing ISPN. And they could capture the American market. Because I think Top Rank lost. I don't know. They lost track of where they were going for a little bit. There finally seems to be heading in a, in a good direction, and it's an exciting direction, and I'm excited with all these young fighters that are coming up. 
and I hope they get the attention they deserve. And I hope that they put them on first take. And I hope they put them all over ESPN and interview them and get to know them. And don't just try to sell them uh, to, a, you know, like what you think that you, you know, because the thing is, how they kind of do like generic things, right? They try to, uh, in a way, was, you know, like a Godzilla theme, right? Because he's from Japan. These are lazy. These are not um, really trying to capture the personality of the fighter, in my opinion. I understand that in a way it's a monster, but I still think that's kind of lazy. Get to know these fighters, right? Actually show their personality. Um, let them be let them be themselves and get them on these uh in front of a camera, interview them, build them up as the stars that they 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 that they are, what they, that they can be. And I think that this this right here will work. I really believe that. And I'm like I said, I don't know how Top Rank stumbled on this or finally figured it out. I don't know. But with Devin Haney and Shakur Stevenson, they struck gold. And Devin Haney's, if you hear him in any interview, he's not having bad interviews right now. Okay? He's not only undefeated in the ring, he's undefeated in interviews right now. He's on a run in interviews. He's probably one of the smartest boxers talking the sport, but talking business as well. Okay? Shakur Stevenson is getting better in interviews. Like, I hear him in interviews, and he's maturing. He's understanding the um, the business of it. He's understanding how to talk to journalists. Keyshawn Davis is very smart. One of the smartest things Keyshawn Davis said was, you know, everybody says, rush him to the top, rush him to the top. He says, I'm not rushing to the top on this contract. That's basically what he said. He said, I'm not rushing to the top on this contract. I'm not a superstar yet. By the time I'm a superstar, then we can talk about putting me on the top because then I'll get paid correctly. I don't, I don't think Top Rank necessarily loves that these guys are so business savvy. Um, I don't think, you know, like I saying, I think Top Rank uh, would prefer that they didn't know the business as well. But the the new fighters, up and coming fighters, they know the business. Guys like uh, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, uh, even Tank, they know the business. They they understand it. They're not they're they're. They learn from the past mistakes, and people that are managing them know the business more. Like uh, David Haney's father, right? He knows the business more. He gets people that know the business. He he makes sure that it's not just Bob Arum telling him what to do. It's not just these guys telling him like, "Oh, this is where you should go." No, no, no. He has another guy that says, "Well, that's one way, but we can also do this. We also have these options." I'm excited to see where the sport's going. I think it has a lot of room for growth, right? And the thing with like boxing is n- no growth is permanent, right? Because it, it, it is so dependent on the stars and the fighters you have. But maybe with these new networks and all this battling, they're starting to figure out the formula that works, right? Like the fighters uh, capturing a whole weight class, right? Making sure you're stable is covers a whole weight class. Like get the whole 147. Uh, division and if matchroom doesn't have the 147 they go to the next weight class and maybe we can't get all the fighters on the same network or uh promotion but maybe we can get all the division on certain networks that way we can see the fights we want to see i'm telling the the formula is getting figured out here for this boxing and everybody's telling me we're in the golden era and i'm I'm starting to see it we are in the golden era of boxing and I think it could get a lot better because they're still figuring out the new changes in boxing with a lot more fights, a lot more cards. And they're figuring out how to build their stables correctly. I think that took some time. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Raw Podcast.